0: Teaching on the renewal of the mind is so important. And over the next few months, this morning I want to lay a bit of a practical foundation, kind of laying the, the framework. I'm not coming at it as just that these are the four techniques to renew your mind. These are the five steps to a renewed mind. The, that, that can all come later, and it's all got its place. And if you go to Christian bookshops, that's like ho- half the bookshop is filled with those things. Is you know, line upon line of, of, you know, the battlefield of the mind and the mind. and and It's just because it's such a big topic. I want to, I've been, as this has been stirring in me, I'm first a big picture person. Um, I'm a macro. I'm macro, okay? I, I kind of think macro and then I go macro. And then I think macro and then I think macro. That's how my brain works. So I went macro on this, and we want to bring it micro. We want to bring it into relevant topics, day-to-day living stuff. But I want to start off maybe coming in from a different angle. So we're going to do that over the next week. If you can't join us here, remember we're going to be online. And if you can't get us online, you know we are on YouTube. And if you can't get us on YouTube, we can i send you the notes. <laughs> WhatsApp. <laughs> I want to ask you to turn to Romans chapter 12. Lord, we thank you for today, that today is the beginning of a change in our lives. That today is the first day into a new future of growing and understanding your ways. And I pray that every ear will be open, every mind will be receptive to the word of grace as it comes to us in these passages. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world, of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve or prove what God's will is. We've been called to live a life to test it and to approve it and to prove it. God has a will for this planet. He has a will for your life. And as our mind is renewed, we can test it. There's nothing wrong with testing what God's will is for your life in a given area and to approve it, and to prove it, what it is. Because it's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. Wow. I mean, this has just got to be one of those verses every believer's Bible has got underlined. Because it it, it compacts so much into it. it, it it's, it's introduced by... In view of God's mercies, present yourself a living sacrifice. It's just like as we look at his mercy and we say, I belong to you. Now my mind, catch up with what God has done. And how does that happen? Through the transformation and the renewing of our minds. Now, because I'm a macro person, I'm thinking, right, God, you created this beautiful universe. The new post hubble telescope is now talking about 14 billion years of light being reflected from the beginning of time, which they call the Big Bang or whatever you want to call it. It was in Genesis said that in the beginning, the first thing God did, he said, let there be light. Now suddenly astrophysics are saying the first thing that happened in our universe when there was nothing, not even emptiness, because emptiness is something, when there was light appeared. Light created everything that could then be created. So they're catching up with what God already said in his word. In the beginning, God said the first thing, light. And then if you want to measure that, the sun only got created a few days later, but we I, I personally don't measure it by literal 24-hour days. But uh, if, if, you, if, if you believe that, that's great. You'll get to heaven and find out that you were wrong and I was right. <laughs> Joke. <laughs> but if it's true that, that, that God's outside of time and space... So, so anyway, I'm not going to go into too much. I'm intrigued on that subject because it just shows me the greatness of God. But in the midst of all this... It says God created the heavens and the earth. And he said, Let there be light and boom. Choosh, helium amalgamated with, 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 with other chemicals and a whole process started spinning at the speed of light. And in the middle of all this, this little planet perfectly positioned happens to be sitting. In the perfect place. And God says, Let us make man in our image. And who's this God that does all this? It says, if my clicker was working, in John, the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the word was God. So this is God's word. It's God's word. He, now talking about that this word is a he, or a a person was with God in the beginning and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. Next verse down. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not understood it. Talking about Jesus. So if we want to know who God was, we look at Jesus. But God's first creation goes into rebellion High treason questions the integrity of God. Believes that God can be capable of evil as well as good. His mind gets all messed up. He he, he he runs for the bushes. You know, people have been doing that ever since. He runs for the bushes too hard. God doesn't even know why he's hiding. It's not like him. But something has changed in Adam's mind towards the person of God. Something is suspicious. Something thinks if he is capable of good and evil, and I do this, and, and he said I'll die, meaning my relationship with him will completely, my spiritual life will become null and void. He still lives for hundreds of years, so clearly it wasn't talking about his body, but the uh, the person he was was cut off. From intimacy with God. The moment that happened, the mind started to rule and the mind became corrupt and began to imagine all kinds of things about God and believe all kinds of things about God. And God then sets in motion a process that we call the, the, the covenants of God. But let's go to the next verse. He is the image, Jesus, of the invisible God. Say invisible. The firstborn above all creation, for by Him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible. Say visible and invisible. Where the thrones or powers or rulers authority, all things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Once again, we're talking about Jesus here. So, from that statement, we... We, we we quickly see that there is both an unseen created world, which is God's existence, God where God the Father the Son the Holy Spirit have lived eternally before the Big Bang and will live eternally past. The unseen, uncreated. It's God. It's holiness. It's God's, God's, the loving relationship between a father son and the Holy Spirit and then he creates an unseen or invisible and he creates a seen visible the seen visible is easy to know it's the world that our body interacts with so the scene created the one at the bottom there is the world that we can smell taste eat good food hear good music you know play good sport you know dress warm in winter, go swimming in summer. It's the world we interact with through our body, through our senses. It's the world that science can test things and retest them and come up with their theories. It's, it's a scene created. It's a beautiful world that God's given us to expand our knowledge and, and, and um, hopefully learn from history. And in, in that world, He's given us our body. Uh, then the, the, and then, of course, there's the unseen, created, which is the invisible. Um, okay, so we're going down the slides. Okay, so the unseen, created, is 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 the realm of the the, the soul. It's where supernatural or para uh, uh, natural things happen. Angels, demons, heaven speaks of the trees and streets of gold. and... And in the same way in the natural, the created scene, there are laws operating. like there's a the law of gravity, there's the law of thermodynamics, there's a the law of aerodynamics, there's a the law of, of quantum physics and all those fancy principles, gravity, and you know, in the unseen created, there are also laws operating. You know, there's also sowing and reaping. In the soul realm, because the soul realm is the realm of mind, emotion, feeling, vision, memory, the ability to make decisions, willpower, the will. And in the same way, in the natural, there's a sowing and reaping, because you know, if you don't sow and you don't reap, you don't eat. In the net, in this unseen or the invisible created world which god created there's also sowing and reaping who's ever heard of someone who says i had no friends until i showed friendship to somebody what do you reap when you sow friendship friendship so we capable unlike the created seen animal kingdom we capable of operating in spiritual laws and principles that that have some parallel to the natural world, the way we think. I mean, who's ever you know? Even uh, non-Christian psychologists will tell you, if you if you if you don't like some if, if there's some something you don't like, change the way you think about it. You know, or or, or you're always moving in the direction of your dominant thoughts and all. That, that all they've done is analyzed the mind and how it's principles, how it works, how it functions. And a lot of Christian literature has taken its lead from that uh, 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 mindset and philosophy. Some is helpful. Some is very helpful. I mean, I, 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 I enjoy a lot of that stuff because, you know, it's like I love researching uh, astro. Stuff I love, like all that uh, those programs about the universe. And I also love uh, the whole psychology thing about behavior and, and sociology and et cetera. But those two are operating at the invisible and visible created realm. There's the realm of the uncreated, unseen. It's the realm where our spirit post being made a new creation. Because before that we were not eternal. That's an important point there. Our spirits are not uncreated. They were created but they have the capacity, God made them to dwell with him. So the real me, just now you said I am a spirit. eh? I got you. You can't yeah, you can't go back now. No, no, no. Too late. You can't go back. You can't say no, no. No, no, you said, you said, yes, I heard you. You said, I am a spirit. So as a spirit, when you are regenerated, reborn, new creation, born again, whatever you want to call it, your spirit, even if it's the mind is still at infant baby stage regarding your spirit is in that realm. This fascinated me. Because it. I don't know, you might be sitting there thinking, oh, Steve, this is like so simple. I don't know. Seven years of studies later, this is like revelation to me. they never they never taught me this at Bible school. It's just like man he, Jesus created everything seen and unseen, but there's a realm of unseen that was uncreated from eternity past now, because of man's fall. And because of his mind being fallen and limited to to the created scene, as it were, but in a non-functional state, God's desire was always to, to make man in his image. So his gift to man is his image. His purpose for man is to be his family. In order to get man as his family, the spirit has to be regenerated, and the fallen mind has to be restored. It has to be renewed. It has to be re- recreated. So God doesn't just say delete on Genesis chapter 1, program, program chapter 1, delete. Let's start again. In the beginning, God, let's hope this time man doesn't do what we thought he might do and you know, use his own will in the process, fall into deception. God wasn't taken by surprise. I know that opens up questions, but God was not taken by surprise. Man recording God's response sometimes looks like that. But God wasn't taken by surprise. God knew exactly what he was doing because it says in the New Testament, before the foundations of the world, Christ was already crucified. Not not like really, but in in God's economy, in God's plan, in God's purposes. The new mind had to be recreated, had to come into a new understanding of him. So what happens? God, first of all, removes man from the garden, because to keep on eating from the tree of life means he'd be unregeneratable, because he'd be fallen forever. So, God removes him from there, gives him a limited time to live, to learn all his theories were wrong, a couple of hundred years in his case, you know, 70 in yours. And then people die young just because they've learned all their lessons early. Us who live older just take longer. Anyway, so, so. <laughs> uh, Steve's theories. I'll write a book on Steve's theories on that. So, so. Um, So so God sets about rearranging the furniture in man's soul okay. about what what God's nature is. So the first thing he does is he removes man, gives him a real job, and slaps a bloody skin on him and says, that's how it's going to be now, no nakedness. But it wasn't just about the nakedness. It was about the sacrifice. Because his son, Cain, kills the other brother because the other brother brought the sacrifice that God accepted. They knew what was right. And blood had to be shed to show that God's plan involved a future, future, future shedding of blood that would cleanse, and turn around the lost, fallen nature, the ultimate, it is finished payment that happens at the cross. So God sets in motion these covenants. Then then the world just becomes such a wicked place. It's just like brutal. Anyone see the movie Noah? Was it Mel Gibson, eh? Wasn't it? I thought it was. Huh? Okay. And that movie was so good because it depicted that fallen world. I don't know if you remember those scenes of the anarchy and the, t- and, the and the total pro- promiscuity and and in cultures that were were pagan and heathen and savage. Where life means nothing, where you go into a village and you, you take the woman as slaves, you bash the baby's heads against rocks, you, 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 you just, it's disgusting. It's, and that happened for, it was normal, it, it, it was savagery. And, and God looks at this and He says, No, no, this time I am going to push the delete button, but not on whole Project Earth. I'm going to keep Noah. And then to Noah, it goes to Abraham. He chooses Abraham out of the nations. And he says, I'm going to preserve myself a womb. Because there's so much contamination that I'm going to preserve a womb. And I'm going to give it a name. From Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph are going to be 12 tribes. And they're going to form a nation called Israel. And I'm going to preserve my seed in that womb until the fullness of time when Messiah Christ will come. And when his disciples recognize you are the Christ, the son of the living God, he'll be ready to build his body on earth. And this is all known by God from eternity past into eternity future. And he goes through these covenants and every one of those covenants. And I know we've looked at some of those and we've studied some of those. But right in the middle of all this, there's this, this, this one with Moses where he depicts the tabernacle you see god gave them law to show them that he is holy he is loving he is righteous and how he wired us the manufacturer's handbook you know you put diesel in a petrol car you're not hurting the diesel you don't get to break God's laws. God's laws break you. God knows when you go about doing things that you weren't intended to do, like take another man's wife or take stuff that doesn't belong to you or hit a baby's head against a rock, when you do things that are not good for you, it will end up corrupting you even more. So He shows man His perfection and His holiness 330 laws, and some of them like really crazy, but just good enough to show a man that he is very dependent on the sacrifice and the day of atonement for his forgiveness. Because without that forgiveness, he's lost again. So God gives the law, but he also gives a grace, which was the tabernacle, the priesthood and tabernacle. Where the high priest, who was Aaron, would come in, and then the Levites. Aaron, remember the twelve tribes and the bud? They put the sticks out, and the one that was going to bud, that would be the tribe that would. Um, or, or, it was Aaron's bud, thing that budded his staff, his rod that that budded, and and all this happens, and then and then the priest would go into the holiest holies once a year and and present the blood. And and that was they call it Yom Kippur today in the Jewish celebrations. They still celebrate it because coming out of Egypt was such a significant thing that they celebrated it every year. And in that, they were depicting the blood of Messiah that would be shed. Let's go down to that uh, tabernacle quickly. So here we have a picture of the tabernacle. Steve, what's this got to do with renewing the mind? Everything. Hang in there, okay? Let's go macro. We'll come macro. But here we are. I'm going to go through these slides. Next slide is the outer court. In the outer court, we have the altar for the burnt offering and the bronze laver. So the temple was in three parts. The outer court, as you see there. Was the altar of burnt? That's where sacrifices would take place. There'd be dove offerings. There would be. It was for various things throughout the year. The big one, obviously, was the the, the, the day of atonement, where a, a lamb without spot and wrinkle would be brought. The blood would be taken. The priest would would wash his body at the at, at the bronze lava. W- Laver, lava, how do you pronounce that? Lava, lava, not lava, lava. The bronze bath. And he would then go into the next, the holy place, which had the altar of incense and the table of showbread and the golden lampstand. It's the next slide down. And here, uh, the table of showbread had freshly baked bread every day to show the provision of God. The altar of incense, which was uh, a regular just... Uh, so a perfuming the the tabernacle, um, and, and 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 is symbolic in scripture of prayer, the table bread of provision, and then the golden lampstands of the fact that God is light. No, we're not there yet, Steve. The golden lampstand was the the light that would uh, the light of, that created the world. That was the light, and then we go down into the holiest of holies, which was the third place, and here. We had have the Ark of the Covenant. This was the golden uh, a box, overlaid in gold, with the with the cherubim over it, signifying that this was the holy presence. This is where the high priest would come and sprinkle blood that was taken from outside in the courts, brought in, sprinkled, and then he'd go out with a branch of hyssop, dipped in different spices and and the blood and wavered over the people. And some of those symbolic things are still seen in churches, especially churches where the priest walks down with a smoking handbag. Have you ever seen that? So so this was all symbolic. You can read from Exodus 25 for the next t- three books if you want to get all the detail on that. I just didn't think we had time this morning to read those three books. So, so so here we have the Holy of Holies. Now, this was where the Ark of the Covenant was. It signified the place of meeting, a place where God once a year would meet with man in the form of the high priest. And inside the Ark, there were three things. Are you familiar with what those three things were? Oh, it's so funny. I was teaching on this um, to one of the high schools here in Pine Town, and I said to the students, uh, So, what was in the Ark of the Covenant? Anyone know? One girl put her hand up and said, Yeah, Noah. <laughs> classic. That is classic, classic, classic. No, it wasn't Noah. This is a different Ark. It was the Ten Commandments, the tablets. Of the Ten Commandment, and obviously one of the students would lift up their iPad. You know, they all think they're all comedians. So there was a tablet. There was the budding rod of Aaron that signified the priesthood. So the law and the priests, and then the manna in a bottle box, representing their uh, deliverance from Egypt and their movement towards the Promised Land and their provision. But note, on all three of those things, number one, Aaron rebelled, two, they broke the Ten Commandments, literally, Moses was the first to break all ten, in one foul swoop, but the people broke the Ten Commandments, and what happened when the manna came? Grumble, 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 oh, we're so tired of manna burgers, we're so tired of manna pizza, oh, we're so tired of manna pasta, we want something new, you know, so In all three of those, why would God put this in the most holy place? Because there is where the blood would be sprinkled. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. Let's go down to the next slide. Something said, oops, you're offline. I don't know what's going on with my technology. Tam, I'm definitely going to need help. I'm on Bluetooth still, yes. So I should be online. Okay. So there we go. Three elements fulfilled. And this is the beauty of the new covenant. This is the beauty of the gospel. I tell you, after I've done this, reread the book of Hebrews. Just to reacquaint yourself with the beauty of Jesus who was crucified on the outside. That black... Oh yeah, it's clearer on your slide. Thank you. Thank you, Tam. Um, On that... Jesus was crucified outside. The sacrificial lamb was presented into the holy place. Jesus himself went through the water. And then in the holy place, he declares, I am the light of the world. He was the incense of God. He was the bread of life. It's like Jesus comes in from the outside where people would enter and fulfills everything. And then goes into the holy of holies. And he's the only one who's fulfilled the Ten Commandments, who is now the priest, the high priest over all priesthoods. The priesthood now has changed. You can read that in the book of Hebrews. And also, he's said, or said of himself, even as God produced manner, so I'm the manner of God. I've come to satisfy you. I've come to feed you. I've come to fulfill you. Jesus goes in with his own blood, the Bible says, not into the earthly sanctuary created by man, but this is a copy of the true sanctuary which is in heaven. And Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, ascends into the most holy place with his blood, not the blood of lambs and goats and bulls, but the blood of Christ, of God. And he goes into the holy Holies and he sprinkles his blood and he says it is finished. And the angels say, Now, what you're gonna do? You up here, and the, the the churches down there. He says, The day's coming and they will be filled with my Holy Spirit, every one of them. And there was a sound like a rushing, mighty wind on that day, and everyone was filled as it seemed with tongues of fire, and everyone throughout heard and came and said, What is this? You see, Jesus coming in, next slide, wasn't just to go in, but was to come out with a great commission to his disciples of the great commission to go into all the world and to preach this message of the kingdom. And whoever accesses it by faith, the one arrow is Jesus coming out and sending. The other arrow is those who hear the message and move back into relationship, in the outer courts. Here, I'm teaching tonight on evangelism, so I'm not going to confuse it too much with this morning. But in the outer courts, we gather, and we newbies, we babies, we we, we've heard the gospel, and we can choose: are we going to live here, or are we going to move forward? But here's the beauty of of the gospel: is throughout the covenants of the Old Testament. God is creating the pictures and the shadows and the tops. He is is, is providing the furniture that is going to ultimately lead to understanding of his plan through Christ. So that the mind of man can be changed from a fallen, perverted, uh, self-centered, selfish, arrogant mind. To where Jesus says that I'm in the Father, the Father's in me, and you in me. And if you want to know what the Father looks like, don't look any further. Look at me. And slowly we come creeping out from the bushes. And God is not a distant God out there that we sing to on Sunday and ask, please, Lord. Please. Please. When I go to my pastor to ask him to pray for me today, please help him to have time for me. In fact, good pastors should really say, I'd love to pray with you, but why don't you pray and I agree with you? Because we don't go through a priest. We have a high priest now. He's seated in heaven and we are seated with him and the sooner we help young Christians see that, the quicker the mind gets renewed to recognize that God is not out there somewhere that we have to please, that we have to suck up, that we have to do X, X, and X, and, hey, God, now you owe me one. Come on now. No, listen, a 21-day fast was not easy. They do it on this program like called Naked and Afraid, and even there they complain the whole time. Please, Lord, I know none of you watch that. you Pure, to the pure, all things up here. But God, hey, 21 day fast. You know, this was really tough. You know, you really got, you owed me. And I read a book where these daughter got healed from this and this, and he fasted for 21 days, and now my daughter died. God, where are you? And I understand that. But God hasn't moved. Our problem is we had him in the wrong place. There are storms. In our lives when we ask him to save us. There are storms when we can lie down in the boat and sleep with him. And there are storms when he says, why don't you speak to the storm? We live in a complete new covenant. And why this is so important to this topic I'll leave it there. Why it's so important to this topic of the renewing of the mind is because, unless what, what I've shared here this morning as a framework, as a, a broad understanding of of God's dealing to bring people to a place where they begin to relate to Him differently, see Him differently, not through old covenant lenses, not reading the Old Testament out of context and applying it to themselves. I love the Old Testament, church. I I read the Old Testament regularly. I love it. Because every time I read it, I go, yes, thank you, Jesus, you fulfilled that. Because there was no chance I could. I love reading the gospel. Sometimes I get to places and I'm, thank God I don't have to chop my hand off. Jesus, I get what you're doing. I get to places in the Bible where I'm reading and and, and like, uh, you, you know, David says, don't take your spirit away from me. And I go, oh, thank you that I have no fear of that ever happening. And when I sit with people who've been Christians for years and years and years and years, and their wagons, wheels are still stuck in the mud, because they're talking about the God that's out there somewhere and what they've got to do. Make him happy and the fear they live in. For their son who started smoking, who was born again, but now is going to hell. I just want to cry. I want to cry and say, Your view of God is too just too small. Your understanding of of what Christ accomplished at the cross when he went through the outer courts and he fulfilled his baptism and he fulfilled the shedding of blood and he was the light that came into the world when you understand that that the blood of, of, of the holy God that this wasn't just God's stepson this was the God who created the world in Genesis chapter 1 his name is Jesus Jesus in Colossians 1 verse 12, in Hebrews chapter 1, in John chapter 1, and many other places, is referred to as God who created the heavens and the earth. So when that Jesus comes to you and says, do you want to know what the Father looks like? Look no further. Look at me. And he goes and fulfills all the furniture in the tabernacle. So that in Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-one he can say, in the last days, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. It will not be like the covenant I made with their fathers that they rebelled against. But in this covenant that I'll make, I will remove all their, their sins. And their sins and lawlessness and their wicked ways, I will remember No more. I just realise how small God has been for me at times in my life. And still, you know, the, the more I get excited about this, the more I realize how little I know. And how much more I've got to grow. my only job is I get to come up here and teach, and then I'll step down and I'm one of the one of the sons and the daughters. And someone else in their gift can stand up, and then someone else in their gift can stand up. I'm just saying I invite you on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings to journey with us as we go from this macro into the micro to renew your mind so that you don't stay in the outer courts and you don't just go and stay in the inner courts, but you go into the most holy place, the holy of holies, that your mind catches up, that your body moves from just relating to this world through the five senses to where the mind has control. Is dominated by the spirit that is seated in heavenly places, and we move through those stages of understanding that we don't just live in one place and live there until Jesus comes back, saved, and we'll go to heaven. But there's so much more for you and me. Can we stand up and pray? And I want to pray if you're here this morning and you don't even know if you've come in from the outside, you don't even know if you've passed go. You don't even know if you've stepped through into the tabernacle. And you're saying, I, I, I don't even know if I've accepted uh, Jesus in a way that I've been born again. And and and, and you're saying, I need to do that. that I, 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 need to, I need to make sure about my eternal position with Christ. Then, then, then I'm going to pray a prayer as, as we go. But I want to pray a prayer specifically for you uh, first. And if that's you. You've heard a lot about what I've said, but you don't have an assurance in your heart that you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. I want you right now in your heart, as unto the Lord, say this prayer. I'll ask everyone else to join us. Just that'll encourage you. Father God, Lord Jesus Christ, precious Holy Spirit, You have invited me to come in from the outside and be washed in the water of your word, to partake in the sacrifice of the Lamb of God and to be cleansed by his blood. I receive your cleansing. And your promise that my sins you will remember no more. Holy Spirit, would you fill my dead spirit, my confused mind, my illegitimate emotions, my bent will, and just come and take me over.